We are now joined here by the legend, USA Libero, and currently in Poland, Dustin Wadden. Dustin, thanks so much for having a, for hopping on the, the podcast with us today, my man. Don't put me on a pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, a pedal, I think, and I'm not like, I'm not trying to like blow smoke up or whatever, but I think there definitely needs to be a pedestal uh, put below this man for what he's been doing. Um, just for the volleyball world in general. I yeah. think I think there's nobody at the forefront more than, <clears throat> than him right now, which is pretty crazy because he's created this this like niche for himself that I think it's like unlike any other play, like player. There's been <laughs> like there are great players that obviously like you get the Matt Andersons and the Taylor Sanders, the Clay Stanleys of USA volleyball, but then there's also players that kind of like somehow find a way to push volleyball and like the culture and just push things to a, to a degree that wouldn't have ever been pushed to, to where they are now without them involved in the community. And I think that's a way to describe Dustin and what he's been doing. I think it's like a phenomenal job. He's got no easy buckets, um, a company. Do you want to touch on that first? Yeah, man. Touch, we can touch, go. Touch, touch on what you're doing on your what you're yeah. doing. Well, for, first off, it's really nice of you to say that, um, man. To try and man, I don't know how deep we're gonna go. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. I got a con degree from Long Beach State, so I can talk. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the Instagram, like how I kind of like gain like a profile on Instagram. Just I wasn't getting any contracts, and you know, Gage, I don't know if you want to talk about our relationship. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll let you decide but um, yeah when I first came out of college I didn't get a contract and then I did get a contract and then uh, I got MVP of the Finnish league and after that I didn't get a contract anywhere else I had to go back to the Finnish league so I was like man I don't know what I'm supposed to do and so I just started posting videos like on Facebook and on Instagram I really didn't know what to do Um, and so I was like kind of the first person just to post videos on Instagram with volleyball videos and and people liked it. And I was just like, oh, cool. You like my videos? Like, I'll just keep on posting it. And then from there, it kind of came and my evolution as a person, just reading more about mindfulness, mindset, philosophy, um, and sharing my failures, setbacks, and just realizing that everyone also experiences those. You know, as athletes, we believe we're the only person that experiences that. We're going to some of the NEB athletes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about just being so anxious, so nervous, um, their first, second year into pros and just like, Hey, you know, that's great. That's what everyone experiences. But when we have this awareness that everyone's experiencing it, we can find the humility in it and realize that it's okay. And like to use that to help create more awareness so we can catch ourselves in the game be like, all right, does this help me? Does this help the team? What helps the team? And uh, it's just a beautiful journey of, uh, of going from just a guy posting videos to now um, really speaking more about mindfulness, my failures, and uh, really the tough path, the beautiful path I've had to get to Poland in my career because it's been a really long time. Um, but yeah, long story short, no easy buckets. Um, it started maybe six years ago when I was in France. And one of my Canadian teammates also really enjoyed NBA. And so I dug him and I was joking. We we're just kind of talking shit. You, you can't talk shit with a Canadian. They're so nice, you know? 
and I was just kind of joking like hey bro like noisy buckets and he was like laughing and then uh yeah I just started posting videos of like my big digs and I put like noisy buckets and people started liking it I was like so surprised it's such a, it's such a good it's such a good line it's such a good name and I was like, no way, no way. And so a couple of years ago, people were like, man, you guys, you need to start posting like, or making shirts. And I was like, I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to make it about me. But then people kept on doing it, started making shirts. And then um, two years ago, a former teammate reached out to me, who's working like as a, like a business coach, working with like CEOs. And he's like, man, I just love what you're doing. He's like, he's like, in my work, I work with a lot of people that really aren't so kind and genuine. I want to work with someone like you. And so we started working together and just uh, this thought of bringing more value. Because at first I was like, dude, I don't want to do this. I don't want to sell stuff to my audience. Like, it doesn't feel right. And he's like, he's like, well, what do you do this for? I'm like, well, I want to be a value to the audience, you know, share my lessons. He's like, well, working with me, you can be more intentional and be of, of more value to them and create products, create experiences that, uh, that further them on their journey with their ability to have more clarity and confidence. And so from there, um, it started with a mindfulness journal, a journal I use every day to help kind of build the framework with gratitude and intention and <clears throat> to finish the day with... Um, with clarity, because a lot of times with volleyball, right? We're just so fixed mindset, you know? Uh, today was good, I'm so happy. Today sucked, everything's bad, I hate it, nothing's working, you know? And um, it's tough because as athletes, we're winners or we're losers, right? Or we can have a different perception where uh, the stuff that we're doing, the intention that we're bringing is working, or it can be a little bit better. And so at the end of the day, I like to finish with um, first, you know, um, kind of patting yourself on the back, three things that we did well. Um, and when I first started doing this in USA gym, it was so tough because I was on the B side and just getting aced by Matt, getting aced by Micah. And I'm just like, there's nothing I did well today, but you have to find like three things. Right. So it'd be like, well, you know, I got to practice early. Like I did that well today. You know, I, I worked really hard on defense and nothing hit the floor without me diving. Okay. That was good. And, you know, I stayed after practice. I got extra reps. And then after I'd be like, oh, wow, you know what? Today was actually a good day. Whereas the week before I would just, you know, I just couldn't pass Matt Anderson perfect. So today sucked. And so interesting to be able to have this different perception. Uh, but going back to the journal, um, also being awesome myself. What was the biggest challenge today? And uh, this was great because I had to bring it to the forefront and like manifest it and be clear of myself and be honest. Uh, for example, it'd be like, oh, man, high floats are so difficult. And it's like, all right, what did I learn from it? Well, I need to address, you know, my tracking and my footwork. Uh, okay. What can change tomorrow? Uh, let's get some extra reps and I can work on that. Have someone hit balls high on me. What can I do differently tomorrow? I'm going to call Mike Maha and get him early to practice. I'm going to work with him on some setting reps and he's going to help me on float serves. And so this mindfulness journal is really powerful and it connected really well with people in regards to helping them refocus their perception on a fixed mindset compared to a growth mindset where we're continuing to grow, right? And going back to my journey, it took me four years to get to my first like pro league out of college. Um, so I went from there. And then after that, I started writing about passing and getting really clear. 
it's so, so clear on uh, what the best pastors in the world do, what I do. And what I found out is the things that I'm not doing. Man, I really struggle on high balls. Like, why is that? And watching some receivers, I was like, oh, it makes sense now. Oh, there's no space in between my body. So getting really clear on that, that morphed into a digging course, that morphed into bringing Carly Lloyd and creating a setter course, um, Taylor Averill now with a middle blocker course that I'm editing. And yeah, I didn't think I would stay in the volleyball community, but you know what? Um, it just feels so right. And then now I'm working one-on-one with a couple athletes um, in this thought where it's just like, you know what? I've learned these lessons the hard way. These athletes don't have to learn it the hard way. Um, and then again, speaking with Gage, Gage was the first person that came to mind. I was like, man, I love this guy. Like how he plays, how hard he plays every ball. He's just relentless. And then learning a little bit about him, just how much he grinded when he was young. I was like, man, this guy's like me as well. And watching him, it's just like, technically, you know what? He's good, but man, like with the stuff I know now, like he can be great. And so I just started to reach out to younger athletes and be like, hey, if you're open to it, like let's work together. You know, I can help you kind of skip these hurdles. If you want, you can hit them on your own. You know, I don't doubt that you're going to leap over them, but how many years is it going to take? And especially, you know, as a foreign libero, it's really hard to level up in the leagues. And so overall, no easy buckets on the court, like this attitude, this relentlessness, this grit, nothing's going to hit the floor. And then also off the court too. Like, you know what? I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose. I'm going to be overseas getting a crappy 10,000 euro contract, but I don't care because I believe in myself. And I know each day there's a lot of work and intention I can bring on and off the court. And I'm committed to that. I'm committed to being disciplined I'm ready to sacrifice some things that I love in my life, but things that are holding me back and I'm ready to go all in on myself and become the highest version. And so hopefully I can help with that. And then bringing in more athletes, uh, for example, Taylor Averill, that also wants to reach out to younger athletes and, and help empower their journey. So uh, just like you guys, I think there's a lot of room in the volleyball world to be of service and uh, likewise, I really love what you guys are doing. I'm so proud to see what you guys are doing at such an early age. I started this when I was like 31. You guys are just absolutely blowing up and you can see the community that you guys are developing. And I think it's so great for um, the volleyball space to invest in it because that's what I see a lot in volleyball. Nobody's really investing back in it. Everyone's a little scared to put time, energy and money into it. and I think it's time to invest back and to really honor our sport. Dustin, I think uh, that might be the longest we've allowed somebody to talk without cutting in. Gage, do you think that that's probably true? Probably. <laughs> well, it's also the longest we've been captivated as well. Right. <laughs> we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't give monologues to people very often. We just cut in as much as we want. It's, I it's apologize because cool. I got... I got like three hours of sleep last night from our I uh, know. back. So I'm like a little delirious. Plus, like I said, I got that calm degree from Cal State Long Beach. So I can talk all day. <laughs> so feel free to cut me off because I can talk. <laughs> no, no, no. That was great. I think that's, I think it's important to share probably just the development of where you are because if people are jumping in now, they're probably not going to get that as much. Um, just because you're so far along your journey already and you have so many things going 
that a person that comes from out of system and is interested in no easy buckets or something like that is going to jump in and at least have some context into how it's how it's created and the, and the meaning behind it so i think that's pretty pretty valuable stuff yeah i mean overall like it's pretty much knowing that there's younger versions of myself out there and when i say younger version i got a late start on volleyball i started when i was a freshman and my first team went to nationals we got dead last and so i got lucky i got lucky i think i've shared the story of gauge before i got lucky my team got dead last because the only way I can go was up. And so I kept on losing, but it was just like, well, I was already last place in the nation. <laughs> so I just kept on playing, kept on losing that summer. I, my dad was my beach partner. I would go down and get beat up by some old guys. I get beat up by guys playing with like the neon balls that you can play with after dark. And I just kept on playing and playing and playing. And, you know, I made a, another second team. And then the first, first team I was on, I was a backup setter. And I just had this like weird, like stubbornness that like, I could be a little better. I can be a little better. And so I want to help those kids out there that also believe in themselves and those kids that maybe are great early on and have this fixed mindset where it's like, I'm a winner, I'm a winner, I'm a winner. And then they get to the position when they lose and they're like, I'm not good anymore. I quit. And to help them realize like, Hey, hey, hey like, that's okay. You're not always going to be the best, but if you love it, Let's refocus, let's reshift, let's form a new perspective and let's find some solutions and intention going forward to help you continue to grow and to play the game with more clarity, confidence, and joy. That's true. Makes coming, sense. Coming, all right, so you talked about kind of investing your time and your effort and just making sure, and this is, like I said, we've been working together just a uh, uh, watching video or talking about the game, talking about the mental aspect of the game is I'm be honest. When, when we first started, I vowed, like, I didn't really, obviously I vowed when we started talking, I valued whenever we talked a bunch, but now that I'm overseas, like, like, for example, if anyone follows your Instagram page, which you should, the, the our listeners out there, they see it's a lot of mindfulness. It's a lot of like, what kind of goes on. And, you know, in college, you know, I'm out there and I'm not really thinking as much, but like you said, when you get to pros, there's just so much, that can sometimes weigh you down. There's so many other factors that go into it than if you're just playing in college. And I have way more of an appreciation for that. And I think that's that's one thing that I've learned. And Mike, I remember in a, a past podcast, you've been talking about like, I, I don't know the exact thing you use, but the biggest thing, the best thing about our job is that it gives us time to think and it gives us time to, um, I don't know, maybe you said realize how grateful we are. Yeah, I think, and whatnot. no, it's just about how, a couple like a week ago or two weeks ago i was thinking how how great our job is because we we have time to reflect yeah and um reflection I, i've come to realize is like such an important aspect of life that goes um it's like it's overlooked and also in especially in america it's like not it's just not done very often because we're so busy like all of our alone time we're on our phone or all of, even like when we're on the freaking going to the bathroom, people are on their phones or people are even playing music in the shower instead of allowing space and time to think. And I didn't have a phone plan while I was in France for two years. So I had a little bit more forced time and I'm not going to lie. Some of my drives are like the most boring thing of all time, but I also have just reached a lot, a lot of 
places and discoveries and and learned a lot about myself and the world and so many things because we get time to live and then reflect on our life and our experiences and what they mean and what we can extract from them instead of a nine to five where you're working all day and then you're home and then you make dinner and you're exhausted and maybe you watch Netflix and go to sleep or maybe you have kids and maybe you have a wife and and you're just surviving and you're, you're you're living but you're not having time to reflect and like extract what you're getting out of life and and just the little intricacies of it you're just too busy surviving like it and it's happened in the past with i thought about and i'm not very well educated but i just thought about when we made the the leap from like manual labor to um like agriculture and how that allowed humans to have more time to think and then we get things like electricity and and free time has always been something that has allowed the human race to move forward um time away from manual labor even in from hunting and gathering where you're constantly on the move to be able to have a like a farm like setup and even store food and what that does to to allow the the human mind to think and be creative and, and reflect and whatever that, whatever outcomes come from that time of thought, um, they're very valuable. And if we never made those kind of leaps, we'd still be enslaved to labor and still be working really hard just to survive instead of, instead of thriving. And I think in, in today's like modern day and the comparison of my life when I'm overseas with no distractions and when I'm in California with a bunch of distractions and it's so easy to, to waste time that's just what I I'm grateful for overseas. And I feel like that this is really long winded, but I feel like that your no easy buckets is a reflection of that aspect of our job. And and your journey is a reflection of the time that we have and how we choose to spend it and, and the ability we have to, to learn about new things and, and have free time to reflect and have, and have time for critical thinking. Yeah. A lot of great things you guys touched on um, gauge too. I think, the big difference between college and overseas life, college, you have community. Yeah. You have family, you have brothers, you have a coach who's more or less a father figure. That's like, you know, when I was at Long Beach, I messed up a lot. Like I've, I spoke about, I've spoke about this a couple of times. Like when I was in Long Beach, I like partied really hard. Like I did a lot of things that like got me in trouble. You know, my coach would just, Alan just like crush me, but at the same time, put his arm on his shoulder. It's like, Hey, like, we're going to learn from this. And like, we're going to like grow, you know, overseas. It's like, play good. I signed you figure it out, you know, and talking with Gage, like in the beginning too, it was funny. I was like, how's the guys? Like everyone nice. He's like, Oh man, they're so great. And I was like, they're not going to be like that for long. <laughs> Cause eventually when you lose, you start seeing like, Oh man, like I'm like alone here, you know? And no, and to a point people actually don't want you to do well because they want a scapegoat coaches, management, right. maybe even the players, they want a scapegoat. And so a lot of my evolution, I guess, in mindfulness came from like really dark places. My first like big contract I got was to play in Brazil and it was amazing. I was like, wow, like salvation, Brazil. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> I was the first ever to play there. And it was like by luck because my other team, long story short, decided to cut me after my contract, but I made it to Brazil. I was like, wow, I'm in Brazil. I'm playing with Hicardinho, gold medal setter, 2004. Like, this is amazing. 
And then I got to the position where I was like, I don't want to play volleyball anymore. I hate my, I hate this. I'm so sad. I'm so depressed. I'm so lonely. And then I was just like, I don't know what to do. Do I quit? And then that's where I found meditation. And then a couple of years later, after another like salvation, making my first USA roster, winning the world cup, and then going to a team that was ended up being three and 23. And when we were one in 19, I'm like, this isn't fun. This isn't fair. My teammates, this, everything was wrong. You know, everything outside of me. And when I like to talk about happiness, things outside of me, joy is inside. Everything outside of me, like was gone. You know, there was no like unity on the teams. They didn't really have any friends. The coach was a jerk. The gym sucked. My girlfriend broke up with me. Um, and I had like no happiness. And that's when I found philosophy too. And I was like, oh, I was like, there's reality, but reality isn't fixed. Reality can be crafted by my perception. And so a lot of these things have happened through my darkness, right? And I like to kind of give an insight into these things for other people to, to contemplate, right? To be curious about because they can experience them and it's probably even more beneficial for them to experience it. Or they can get an insight right away and realize that you know, after a loss, it can be the most devastating thing in the world. You can be so lonely, so depressed, so sad. Oh, I miss my family so much. Or it can be like an amazing challenge for you in this beautiful journey to become your best version in the face of adversity. Oh, my family's not here. Great. I'm going to learn so much about myself. Oh, my girlfriend broke up with me. Great. What can I learn from that? How can, be I, how can I be better? What can I work on myself? How can I be a better partner? Can I be more present? Can I be more loving? You know, so there's always a different perception we can take towards life. And I've learned that through the hard way, as most of us will. I think it's interesting because um, I was just thinking in a time of reflection recently about how our generation is learning things not firsthand. Like we learn a thing, a lot of things and like a lot of our education comes from books and textbooks and YouTube videos and people telling us. Um, and the older generation has a lot more of experience through doing where it's like, they're older and they're like, no, I've done this. I don't, I didn't read a book about this. I didn't watch a Ted talk about this. Like I lived through this. And so there's this disconnect where like these young kids think they're really educated and they come out of universities and like thinking like, oh, I know everything about like, and, I, and you can know a lot of things that, don't get me wrong. Books are like huge and I love it. And you can cheat, cheat through life in a sense where somebody can spend their whole life learning one thing and you can read it in an hour and learn it. Um, and I think it's incredible, but there's also this balance of like experience is the ultimate teacher. Mm -hmm. and it, it, it burns memories in your brain a little bit stronger than, than reading about it. And there's this balance between like, what, what lessons do I need to learn through my own experience? And what lessons can I just pick up from other people and, and hope, hope that that's kind of all I need to do. And where do you yeah. find that balance? Yeah. I mean, it, that, re that reminds me of a great quote. Um, Hard times create strong men, strong men mm -hmm. create good times, good times create, create weak, men. weak men, weak men create hard okay. times. I feel we're in the point in USA where it's like uh, weak men create hard times. I think that's what we're going to. Whereas in Poland, where me and Mike are right now, they just came out of communism, you know, and like that was hard, you know, uh, 
for how many hundreds of years being occupied by a foreign country, finally having independence. People are freaking strong here. I don't know if you've seen this, but how often the Polish people take care of other people. If there's like a sick kid, everyone's like, hey, let's rally around the sick kid. Like, let's raise money. Like the Polish people, man, the character is amazing because they had to endure such a hard time in communism where they didn't know they were going to survive or not. So they really had to take care of themselves. They had to work hard. And that's why I love being here because people just like take care of each other. And uh, yeah, the balance for me is I think putting yourself in situations of discomfort. I think being alone overseas is not easy. It's uncomfortable, right? Um, but at the same time, it's like, we also should be, um, we also should be using this time to, to educate ourselves and to learn about different perspectives that people have throughout the world and in different times. Like, I love reading about Stoicism. I love reading Stoicism from ancient, ancient Greece and ancient Rome. I love reading about um, different Eastern philosophies, reading about Osho and kind of getting an insight how people in different times have viewed the world and what they've learned throughout their entire time and how I can use that to be curious about the situations I'm in. Because for those that don't know me when I was younger, like I was angry. I was the guy that's always ripping my shirt, yelling, cursing. When I was playing beach as a 15 year old, I was saying the C <laughs> word and like kicking balls over the pier. <laughs> like I was a piece of work. Uh, and when I don't meditate, I can still get like that. Uh, and so there's always a different perception we can have. And too often in my life, I would play the role of victim or I would seek for pity, finding a scapegoat. And that doesn't help us. We need to take more responsibility. We need to be disciplined. And at times we need to sacrifice in pursuit of our goals, especially if our goals are very large in nature. Yeah, I think that that's... Um a decent segue, a good segue into what we were talking about before we got on the podcast was uh, politics. And I know that you have become a mainstay in volleyball politics or just politics in general in my life. Uh, I know that I can, I turn to you and I get some updates, um, some non-mainstream updates, if, if that's a way to, to talk about it. But um, when I had went to UCLA, I found... I came from like not a very political family. Neither of my parents have ever voted. Uh, like it's politics in Hawaii. Maybe now they're different, but back then we're, when I was growing up, were not talked about at all. Like we just lived our life and that's how it went. And then I went to UCLA where it was a very, very political place, very left, like most California universities are or most universities in general. Yeah. Uh, and something that really rubbed me the wrong way was the victimism like, I think that that's huge in America right now, uh, especially with intersectionality and, and uh, identity politics and this sense of value in how victimized you can make yourself. And it's like the most toxic thing in the world. My dad was a huge, huge advocate for never letting his kids be victims. So yeah. when I got thrown into that, that culture, it was like a huge culture shock. <laughs> And I kind of pushed back in some different ways, but um, what do you, what are your take? We were talking about the vaccine. We were talking about all these kinds of things. We can start with, with this sense of this weird sense of like 
wanting to be a victim and how it actually hinders you. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah. So when I went to college, I was at Long Beach state and for those not around California, Long Beach state is just kind of like a ragtag college, like <laughs> nothing crazy. Uh, just pretty, pretty basic college, you know? Uh, so there was never really any thought about politics. Um, and then overseas, you know, I don't know. I tried to keep in touch with stuff like that. And then over the past like five years, it's just been so interesting just to kind of observe what's going on. And overall, I, I, I'm not left, I'm not right. I think it's uh, this false dichotomy, this duality, it just, it just separates us and from the power of the collective that we have. Whereas what I've seen and just, you know, reading a little bit about history, experiencing it, talking to my teammates from Poland, from Russia, you know, governments usually abuse their power, if not always. And so it's very interesting watching what's going on in this uh, tribalism that is being played out in front of us uh, unconsciously, where I'm team, team A and I can wear this badge, or I'm team B, I'll wear this badge. And and then from there, it's like not only the unconscious ego, but the unconscious collective ego, which is probably the most powerful thing. Um, Eckhart Tolle talks about this in um, A New Earth and um, The Power Is Now. But this, uh, like, this false virtue, right? Where it's like, I'm this, I'm that. I support these people. And by you not supporting it, you're wrong. And by you being wrong, that means I'm right. That means I'm smart. That means I'm better. This is what people are saying unconsciously, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting watching this stuff unfold. And, you know, I try and say this without ego, but by paying attention and meditating and building awareness on myself, I can see this in myself, right? I can be clear. I'm like, whoa, Dustin, easy. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you're saying these things unconsciously that you're better than this group or you're better than this person by you know either saying that they're not good or they're not right and it's like we need to be clear and know that not everyone's going to agree with us and that's okay because when people don't agree with us then we can have a discussion then we can communicate maybe we can have a debate right and at the end of the day if we don't agree with someone that's okay it doesn't make them a terrible person it doesn't make them like despicable or deplorable they just have a different subjective view Nothing is objective. Nothing is objective. Everything is subjective. And by pretending that we know everything and that our stance on this, our stance on that is right, is um, very insecure and very naive. And so right now, I think what we're seeing is um, a very calculated move to divide people as much as possible. And so when there's only um, two options, only two options presented, there's no thought of like critical thinking in the middle, right? You're either this or you're that. You're pro this, you're anti that. And that's it, right? And that's it. And if the side that you don't like believes in this, then you're gonna believe in the other thing. Whether you believe it's right or wrong, you just don't wanna be with that other bad side. And so um, it's fascinating. There's so many different points where it's like, one, it's sad, it's depressing, it's really scary to seeing how quickly are we divided. But at the same time, 
I also want to hold out hope where this is where uh, consciousness is arising the collective where people are seeing through this this duality like what i only have two choices no that doesn't make sense or like wait what the government's gonna dictate what i have to do i don't know about that you know and so i hope i hope i hope and it seems that people are slowly waking up and you know people that disagree with me and write me for better or for worse i speak with them i'm like hey man all day you want to talk like let's talk you know if you want to get aggressive with me like, I'm just going to keep on talking to you. I'm going to be calm, you know? And I'm going to let you see that I have a subjective view. You have a subjective view. And if we want to keep on talking, maybe we don't agree, but we can agree that we both have a subjective view and there is no objective view. And to be clear that let's get out of this duality of like, there's only two uh, solutions or sides to choose. And let's have a discussion. Uh, well, I think right now, there's no discussion. It's just like, you know, it's these people are wrong we are right, right. right. and that's that's where we lose the power right united we stand divided we fall or the old line um divide and conquer right i think what's interesting is that and what i think i try to have the same amount of hope as you that this that something better is going to come from this and i think what might lead to that hope is that in the past there's only been enough passion in order to create activism from the extremes if that makes sense from the left or the right and i think we might be coming to a point where the middle is going to have enough passion that the middle is create is becoming an extreme to ascend to a point where those people are now going to become more active and more vocal in discussion um because things aren't, things are getting further away from the middle and they, and, and as a result, those people are now feeling a pressure to have to speak up, if that makes sense. I feel like before it's like, like you have a march for like on the far left women's rights and you have a march on the far right for say veterans rights, but like the middle people, they, they didn't have a purpose to feel enough attached to and like, we're like, I feel enough, well, like I'm like, not whatever. passionate enough. I'm in the middle. Like, and that's where I feel. I'm like, I'm in the middle. I don't care about this stuff. And now I'm realizing like, I'm trying to become more passionate about being in the middle because yeah, like, I, I think that's something to have a little bit more passion and like to start to preach the middle a little bit more and shoot, I would love a middle, right. Like a middle March, like a March for people in the damn middle where we're like, guys, like, we're not super far left. We're not super far right. We have we have our opinions about each individual matter. We think critically. We um, we feel these ways about this and that. And like whether we agree or disagree, that's fine. But we can take a collective identity as being in the middle because I think that's necessary right now. I think with the polarization of of the world and like you said, the division and whether it's by color, by class, by political ideology by anything we're all slowly finding ourselves getting further and further apart and that's kind of isolating the middle in a weird way 100 percent. and uh being comfortable you know i'm in the middle and i'm like left is crooked right is corrupt like it's two sides of the same coin for me but now it's getting to the point where um our ability to function in a in quotation a free society is determined of what, what we do and um, with really mm, 
putting my words precisely. Um, mandates that don't really make any sense and mandates that are slippery, slippery slope to totalitarianism, you know? Right, right, like, right, right. You only have one choice. You must do what we say if you want to act in society. And if you don't, you can't. And it's like, no, that's not a free society, you know? And so right. I'm willing to, to die on this hill. Like if any time the Polish league is like, hey, you need to get vaccinated, you can't play. I say no, you know, like I, I need to stand up for what I believe. And I don't believe the government should mandate anything um, like this intense. It's the same thing with Jordan Peterson when he kind of gained notoriety with the uh, right, 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 right. People got all upset. How could you? How could you say this and that? And you know, I think it was like trans people that went to uh, his classroom and they were like, you know, if I was your student, would you call me by my pronouns? And Jordan Peterson's like, yeah, I would. And they're like, right. wait, what? right? He's like, what is all this He's stuff? Like, He's I'm like, against the mandating I, I speech. The government should be able to dictate my speech because that's a slippery exactly. slope. Exactly. Exactly. He studied these past governments of totalitarianism. And it's just like, we have to have a, like a certain aspect of critical thinking, but by being divided in only two groups, there's a, a shitty choice and a shittier choice, you know? And what what's shitty and what's shittier is just perception of like your team or your tribe, right? right. And so I, I don't think with either of these choices is right. And it's pretty hilarious too, to see um, when Trump was still in power doing this like a uh, rush vaccine, all the Democrats were like, oh, I'm not taking this vaccine. Like, no way, no way. <laughs> yeah. He goes out of power and Biden comes in and now all the Democrats are like, let's take this vaccine. And it's just like, oh man, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, come on. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, um, I think it's people that, you know, I thought about this thought for a long time, like to know, to know thyself. And I was like, what does that mean? Or knowledge of self? What does that mean? What does that mean? And I think it's just like a lot of work spent on yourself, whether it's journaling, whether it's meditation, and to be able to create that space where you can decide, act, and speak on your own rather than being conditioned by media, by actors, by celebrities, by athletes. And that's why I joke, like, don't put me on a pedestal. <laughs> Right. Like I'll say things, but you need to have discernment. Like, right, dude, right, right, right. If I feel this way, doesn't mean it's right. It's my subjective view. You need to have discernment. And even if I say something, whether it's about uh, mandates or like using like the split step, right? Have some discernment. Maybe it doesn't work for you, but like think about it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I don't really like this. Huh? What about that? Oh, okay. I don't know. Have some discernment for yourself, rather than just uh absorbing or saturating something from your favorite athlete your, your favorite celebrity or a beautiful person on the news that's reading the script right no 100 percent. totally agree i'm i i am not pro vaccine i'm not anti-vaccine i i feel like it's interesting because we have um close contact with these people that that have lived under communistic regimes and stuff like that like we hear the stories and i think it's so incredible that we get access to that because like last year one of my best friends on the team was cuban and he <laughs> talked about like he the stories i have from him were incredible and um that shaped part of my political perspective as well um russians and all of these people in the eastern european bloc and 
like we just get to learn a lot about the world and it's not to say that like because of this we now understand more or we have a higher intelligence or anything like that but i'm just super grateful that we at least get to to, to hear these stories and meet these people and see what it's like and then try and come up with what we think is right based off of all the information and perspectives that we gain yes I'll finish this unless you want to keep on talking about it. But a, no, great, no, no. Quote, a great quote is the path, the path to hell is laid with good intentions. I've heard that quote, but I haven't truly understood it as much as I want to. Yeah. Carl Jung. So, you know, it's like in the past with like these uh, communist, you know, Russian societies, it's like, I think also for the Nazis, it was like some translation, like for the collective good of society. Right. 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 Where the Jews were blamed on like the financial crisis. It's like, oh, we would be a strong independent nation, but it wasn't for those freaking Jews. You know, it's like, right. it's for the better of the collective. Right. right. And you find, right. you find like for in this situation it was like those freaking dirty Jews, which obviously is not true, but this was the rhetoric. Right. Right. You find that scapegoat for why things aren't going well and you rally the troops. Yeah, you and find a way path, to justify your actions. Yeah. And the path to hell was laid with good intentions for the better society, for the better community. Or like in Russia, it was like, if we just stick together and work and plow the fields for 10 years, that 11th year, everything will be great. And yeah, happen. I have to, I have to come to a further understanding of that because in my opinion, like from, from a very uh, surface level view, I'm like, but it's just like, it's also with bad intentions because it's like to take from people or to get rid of a people and like, so I'm trying it's to- It's the rhetoric that's used, right? It's the rhetoric. Right, right, it, right, right. It is, it is how it's sold and packaged to the public probably uh, in these specific like- For example, the, the war on drugs. Yes, the war on drugs. Like, let's get it. That's been one of those things that happen. Right. Or the three strike law. Uh, these little things where people can get behind really well, but overall it doesn't benefit the collective. Right. What else? The war on terror. Right. right. After this, everyone's like, yeah, like, like, let's go get those guys. Interesting. Okay. We go to so, the so, so this quote is, is largely applicable with, with like government kind of things. I believe so. And right. the, the malice is from the government, but how we absorb it is like, this is great, right? Right, 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 right. The rhetoric they use, it's like, yes, we're, we are solving the problem. We, we are rising as a collective to help fight whatever problem while, you know, there's, there's malice efforts and intention behind, right, these, right, behind, words, right, right. behind these mantras and these movements. Makes sense. Gage, thank you so much for, for, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, you got to have way more. This is, this is like, I, I'm like, thanks so much for your input. No, I mean, there's, you guys have way more research than I have with this stuff. The, the one thing that I can relate to you guys is definitely, I asked my teammates about what it was like during like communist days and stuff. And like, like, he's like, and just like the craziness of just of it all, because some, a lot of guys on my team, they're like 33, 34, some, some are 38. So they, they, they were like, they remembered like when it was communist here and like, I can just look out my window and I can just tell like this definitely used to be a communist society. 
So I ask yeah. them. And then I also ask them on their opinions of like, do you guys, what do you guys think is better? Like now versus when communism is. And some of them, you know, have some interesting, interesting uh, opinions when it comes wow. to that kind of stuff. Like what? Like what? Really quickly. Well, there, there was, I was like, I was like, so what do you find like the biggest difference between like communism and like how it is right now? I don't know the, I think, I don't know how uh, Bulgaria is like what, what different government it is. Um, well, t- technically, I guess it's democracy, but they're on like the third election over here. Like for, cause some, I don't know, some craziness going on, <laughs> like third election, the same person. Um but it's just like they're like yeah well it's like they describe it as like for us it's like when you hear about like communism and stuff it's like oh it's evil 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 and like i don't know anything about like i'm not saying it is i'm not saying it is i don't know anything i haven't done my research but what they but i just ask them just out of curiosity and a lot of stuff they say is they're like yeah it's like with communism like you could go like for like you life would be good but it could never be great but we had money but then without communism we have no money, but you can have a great life, like, like more like ec- uh, excess to stuff. So some people prefer, like some people I hear, some people are like, yeah, I definitely prefer when I was like that or whatever, like that. So I was like, interesting, you know, in America, yeah, if anyone super- said that, they'd be, sh- they'd be shot on the, on the scene or something like that, you know? Um, so it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. Just with yeah, all these, super humans, interesting. I always try and dissect. I don't know how about you guys, like politics or non-politics volleyball or volleyball actually this is this is really interesting i learned this at a friendly game so jore uh our setter uh he's i love him to death he's like he's a really experienced setter i know dustin you're good friends with him and so they Ooh. put in jore I forget, uh, 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 okay. yeah 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 uh, yeah yeah last name yeah yeah and um uh, really experienced that he went to the Olympics and all that. And so I'm very, very grateful to learn from him, but he was, we put our second lineup and we had our first friendlies and we put our second lineup in and a lot of those guys are my friends because the younger guys on the, on the team and I'm cheering, I'm cheering. And he comes up to me after the match. He's like, he's like, why do you cheer for them? I was like, what? He's like, why are you cheering for them? I was like, cause I want them to do well. Those are my boys. Those are my, those are my team. He's like, don't cheer for them. And he's hundred percent serious. I'm like why why not and he's like he's like because i don't want them to think they're good and i was just shocked i was like wait what he's like he's like you you gotta understand like and he he always uh, he always compares bulgaria to america he's like in bulgaria if you leave someone to do something they're never gonna fix it you know what i'm saying like the, like like here i have some young guys and literally any small bad thing they do they just get destroyed by these older guys i mean destroyed they go in with yeah. they, they, it's like they just pound them until they become diamonds basically that's that, that's their like their motto so he's like he's like i don't want them to think i don't want them any of those people on the court right now or the younger guys because they're not good yet they're not ready yet they have my respect so they think they're good and they think okay i want them to kind of to still work because because they're good but they're not they're okay but they're not where i want them to be or anything like that and they're still really good players they're really really young I mean, who am I? I'm a young player too, but it's just stuff like that where it's like, and he's, he's like, so don't cheer for them next time. I don't want them to think, uh, to think they're good. I was like, wow, this is, this is definitely like crazy. Like, like just the, just the, the mentality of the people, like I'm telling you, like there's just one kid on our team named Miro and he's like 18 and anything. 
I mean, literally at least 20 times for practice. He's just getting ripped into like, <laughs> it's like, he's like, man, and then our head coach. And then, our, and then like, they're literally just, just like, I don't understand the words they're saying, but I understand what they're saying to him just like by yelling yeah. and stuff. It's un like with the young guys, it's unbelievable. And I, that used to be me. I used to have, that used to be me when I was younger, but I get off easy because because they because I'm the American, they'd have to like. I mean, they know me. They still yell at me and stuff like that. But it's like, uh, I'm like the American, so they take it easier on me. I think, which I, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. Personally, I'd rather have them just rip into me because that's how I was raised. Uh, mm. <clears throat> but it's just like really, really interesting to to dissect a lot of these guys' mindsets and uh, just how they play the game. But yeah, yeah. I, anyway, I love the thought. It's like, let us teach you the lesson that is a. <laughs> of being young <laughs> exactly and like like a lot of these guys like uh they're saying like the hardest job in bulgaria at least or in the east i don't know how it is for the rest of europe or in the eastern europe is being a young setter because the older hitters because there's a lot of older hitters here because a lot of the like the guys are like okay i made my money i'm gonna go live peacefully with my family in bulgaria and they'll just, just rip into these setters and just like absolutely just destroy them. Georgie calls it's always Valentin the hardest, setter. It's always, exactly. It's always the hardest to be a setter at that in these situations. Exactly. Exactly. They call there's this one outside hitter. He's in China right now. He'll uh, Valentin, the guy you play with, Dustin. Um, yeah. he, he's probably he's our best attacker. He'll be back. But Jorge, his brother, just says he's the destroyer of young setters. <laughs> that's what that's what he named him. <laughs> just because like he's like just so it's like brutal. Like guys are literally in the middle of a rally. They'll just like they'll just literally just like uh they'll just stop. They'll just they'll just be like, oh, I'm not going for that ball or whatever. Crap set, I'm done. And they'll just yell. <laughs> so I have a question for you. When I was in Brazil, it was the same thing. It was like iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. And uh it was hard for me because the way they spoke with me in America, if they were to speak to me like that, it was like they hated me. They hated my guts, right. you know. But in their culture, that was just like, hey, we believe you can be better like let's go you know in america it's like come on like next ball but in brazil it's like poha you know like fuck 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 figure it out fuck and this is like them being like oh, next ball like in like american volleyball <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so Gage, how was it for you when you first started seeing that and feeling that in contrast to hawaii where everyone's like we're a family like let's right. push together let's get better we can be more intentional how was that like first kind of realizing that and maybe you didn't realize it, but that the different volleyball language. Yeah. So when I really realized it is uh, I didn't have a car first year or anything or any person that lived near me had a car except for the coach and the coach speaks like pretty solid English. And he played at the top. He was like the, uh, the top of the top played in Italy for like 13 years or whatever. So like he expects like perfection and everything. Yeah. And which, which I love. And one thing is obviously sometimes when you're driving with, let's say you have a bad practice, bad couple practices, sometimes it's a little awkward with the coach or whatever, just driving the car, just cause like, like the coach, the coach feels awkward too. Sometimes I don't, I, I've had situations yeah. where that's been the case or anything like that, but I'll have a bad practice, like consistent and in the car and they'll be, and they'll be yelling and stuff. And then the car, the, he always asks, he's like, how are like, are you good? Not, not because I had a bad practice. Like, are there any problems? You good. Talk very calmly with me. I'll tell this stuff. And that's what, that's when I kind of realized that was my thing. I was like, Oh, like I thought this is, he's still gonna be mad at me or something like that. Um, but I knew that I knew that Rado kind of gave me a heads up. He's like, Hey, it's not like what it is here in America. 
um they're like they just at you they're you know light up light and light up uh and i've yet to kind of had that to me but then again i haven't had a real match i'm sure once the real matches especially the big ones start i'll get lit up but i, I first kind of realized it with my coach when he would yell at me and i have a like a bad practice but and be mad and yelling but then in the car he'll just be like talking normally or like we're we're all at dinner together and he's joking around with us and stuff so that's when I kind of, realize, and that's a very lucky way to realize it rather than just like, I don't know, just get blown up in the face all, just all day, every day, you know? Um, so I've had a very ease into, into realizing the, the, the different cultures of volleyball here, personally. Yeah, and that was exactly the opposite of uh, my situation in Brazil where everyone had a family and girlfriend and nobody drove me to practice. I had to take a bus and I was like 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> And I just thought everyone hated me and it was not fun to, to the people to spend your whole like day with assuming that they hate you and they think you suck and that they don't want you on the team. And that brought upon me. And I write about this a lot on my website is a lot of shame, right? Carrying that shame, the worst, the worst emotion in the world, right? Because with that shame, there's no chance of being present, right? Thinking about how bad you suck, how bad you're going to suck, how you're going to fail, how everyone hates you. And then transferring that to my next year in France where everyone wanted me to do great. I mean, Brazil was the same thing too. Everyone wanted me to do great. But I carried that feeling from Brazil where if I made a mistake, I was first to punish myself, right? Cause I was like a hurt dog in Brazil. Like people would throw their hands like, Oh, come on. Like in the game, the coach is like this Ricardo, like the best setter of all time is like, you know, like this, like ah, you suck, you know, in the game and in practice. And so in France, I would be like, Fuck, Dustin, damn it. you know, like punishing myself and my teammates were like, dude, it's okay. It's okay. But I was like so hurt and so insecure that like, I couldn't, I couldn't leave any space for anyone else to have the opportunity to shame me or to tell me right. I was wrong. And that's the one thing it's like speaking with athletes, it's like, we have to get clear that this emotion has no benefit for athletes, even for humans, right? Anger can be great at the end of a match. I'm sure you guys experience anger. Fuck man, I wish we should have won. Da -da 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 -da. All right. You can sit with that anger and be super resentful and spiteful, or you can go home and be like, all right, here's the plan for next week. And like, ah, man, I didn't prepare as well, but you know what? Next week, I'm not, I'm not going to play as much video games. I'm not going to stay up late. I'm going to get to practice early. That anger can be a heartbreaker for change, right? That can be one of those good, like negative emotions, but shame. Oh, it's a powerful debilitating yeah. emotion that i think Jeez. too many athletes live with too many athletes we don't use that word a lot too maybe when it should be used i don't hear shame like very often in my normal day life i feel like the last time i heard it was in game of thrones <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah you know what i mean like I don't, that seems like like not a not an emotion we talk about enough you can see it on people's faces when they're experiencing it and just like that deep doubt where it's like, I'm blowing it. I suck. Because for me, 
uh, my girlfriend argues with me. She doesn't think this is a word. I would catastrophize, right? So say I made like a three bad passes in a row and the thought is like, I'm not doing well. I'm not good. I'm going to get subbed out. I won't start the next game. I'm not going to get a contract next year. You know, Spraw's not going to take me back to the national team. I won't be uh, USA anymore. I'm going to have to find a no normal job. And you're thinking all these thoughts like in between the next pass, right? So whatever school level you're at, you're just like destroying yourself mentally. You can't be confident. You can't be clear. You can't be focused when you have all these thoughts in your head, um, reviewing your past failures or uh, having the ambiguity of the future, this future of just like scarcity, doubt and failure best your mind, right? Well, it's, so that's, it's, what's that? Oh, I was just going to say, it's interesting because I just thought about like how I played this summer like kickball and ping pong and tennis and you can play those sports with so much freedom. Like you don't like when I'm playing those sports, I play so well because I don't think not. And I realized I was like, why can't I play volleyball like that? And then I realized a few reasons why. Well, one is it's attached to our identity. Um, yes. And then two, like um, if you're, if you do want to play, like if I were to play professional kickball, I would have to play, less free and like a little, little bit more calculated and use my mind a little bit more. Cause just the higher levels, the higher level you go, the, the more mental it becomes and the, and the more of your mind really you have to use. And so we're in a difficult position. That's a little bit unique as, as professional athletes, because people can say like, Oh, I played sports and like, but it's different when you're playing at like where your, your money and like, your identity is all tied into like this game <laughs> instead of like, Oh, I played like high school or like I play volleyball a lot. Cause I, I, can know. Play, I love kickball. Advocate. So Micah, for those that don't know, you've had a great start to the season. Uh, you beat Gdansk, which is like a top 14, the last couple of years, Rizovia, which has one of the biggest budgets in Poland. When you were playing against Rizovia, how were you playing? Like, were you free? Were you loose? Were you like ripping your serve? Right, or were right, you right, very right. tactical, like got to get my feet to the ball and like follow through back. Feet to the ball, let's face the setter. And right, boom. obviously the, oh, not obviously, cause you're right. The bet, the, we're playing our best when we're not thinking. Uh -huh. When you're in this like zone of confidence and not, yeah, of not thinking, you're just being. Yeah. Like the flow state kind of. So that's kind of why I created like bringing in these mind coaches for noisy buckets, right? And it's just like, how do we get in that mode, right? You can't always get into it, but you can prepare, right? And so I brought in these three coaches, one that just helps overall with like general life, purpose, intention, where are we spending our time? What's important to us? Are we allocating the right amount of time to volleyball, to other things in life? Second, a breath coach, um, I think I've talked to you about that. You know, Garrett McNamara, the name. Yeah. I've heard, I, you talked to me about it for sure. So this big wave surfer, uh, he's, he's the one featured in the HBO series, a hundred foot wave. So my friend is like his towing guy. So he also serves big waves, uh, was a professional volleyball. He works with players on the breath, breath work and training awareness. Right. So when we're in the game and our mind starts thinking, we can come back to the breath observe like these debilitating thoughts and be like okay begin again right 
And then a visualization coach who you kind of touched on this, but when you play this thought for me, at least when I used to play, I played to be valued. I played to be loved. I need to be good. So people like me, I need to be good. So people look up to me, you know, where I'm playing my best volleyball now, because he leads me through visualizations and he's like, you don't need anything from this game. You're already whole. You're already surrounded by abundance. You're just going to go out there and do what you love and commit to each play time and time again with aggressiveness and with confidence. You don't need to be validated. You're already enough. And so there's so much I feel that can go with the mind. And we're just like getting there with our ability to train and prepare ourselves to be great. Because so often I see in myself and younger athletes, especially younger liberos, where we start the game with three perfect passes, right? In that fourth ball, we're like, come on, like serve me on the freaking man. Like, come on. What happens if the first three passes are all aces? And it has nothing to do with your skill level. Hits the tape, goes in the seam. It wasn't really your ball, it was the other person's ball. And then the third ball just barely hits the back line. So now you have three aces. How are you on that fourth ball? Are you like, come on, serving the ball? Or are you like, hey, come on, like, God damn, man. <laughs> like 0% passing. Oh, man, you know? <laughs> And it's not going to be like this duality, right? Where it's like, I'm 100% focused and confident. Or now I'm like 100% like, oh, oh man, you know? But it doesn't matter, right? We can't control how the team's serving, how they're hitting balls in the seam, if they're just rolling us. But we can control getting back to the present moment. We can prepare for that. We can train our awareness. We can train our ability to come back to the present moment. We can train our ability to create space from the external environment to how we respond, right? That space, instead of saying, fuck, it's like, all right, great serve. Like next ball, I'm gonna communicate. I'm gonna be more aggressive in the seam. Let's side out. So coming back time and time again to the present, if we need to remind ourselves on a cue, but just playing free, playing loose. And that's when I see both of you guys, the little video I've watched on you guys being in the gym with Micah, where I see you guys play the best when you just play free. When freaking Micah, you're just slinging balls around. When you're ripping your serve gauge, when you're just like all over the place. Something that's really hurt me as a defensive player, one of the assistant coaches on the gym for USA was like, hey, you're too aggressive. And after that, I started thinking like on defense, I was like, uh, maybe I should go, maybe she's not. And then like balls would drop. And they're like, why are you going? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> you know, it's really interesting, right? Because the best is like, you see it and you go, right? right. You see, it and you go. or working with some of the liberos, I'm like, you need to take more court. You're an area one and you, you say what you are, a great libero, you need to push your receivers over, make them serve your line, be more aggressive, right? Push your boundaries. You're not gonna get better by being uh, comfortable and just taking your part of the court, taking your 30% of the court. Push yourself, get this comfort, and allow yourself. We have a special guest coming in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Special eat. guest, fellow fellow YouTuber, 
Oh, someone I just saw last night. What's up, Eric? Oh, no. (laughs) Last thing Dustin wants to see. (laughs) No, I'm I'm really grateful for Eve because they they beat us so quickly that we got home at 3 a.m. instead of 4 or 5 a.m. So I appreciate the (laughs) reason. Oh, Lord. Kid him with kindness. Uh, Well, we should probably wrap up here now that everyone's kind of getting busy here. But Dustin, it's always a pleasure picking apart the mind and for you taking the time to hop on and we're very, very grateful. I know that we you don't like being put on a pedestal, but we, we're very uh, grateful. And anytime we can open that mind of yours to, to our ears. So thank you <laughs> so much. Open that mind of yours. Thanks, yeah. Dustin. We appreciate it, man. I'm really grateful for what you guys are doing for the sport, uh, the time and energy that you guys put in. Uh, man, it's just, it's it's easy. Like overseas, you just go on Netflix, go on YouTube, do whatever. And, you know, you guys are putting your time and energy and doing something really beautiful for the sport, creating community. And uh, I love it. I think it's it's great. And so uh, I'm proud of you guys. And I'm just really grateful for the work you guys are doing. Hey, right back at you, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dustin. Dust. Thanks, Dustin.